This is the Educational Leadership Podcast, Episode 1. Why Educational Leadership and My Leadership Styles. Welcome, everybody, to the Educational Leadership Podcast with your host, Principal JL. I am Principal JL, and I am a practicing educational leader. I'm actually a secondary principal um, of a public school, which I've done for the last four years. Um, before that, my uh, 11 years of teaching mathematics, physical education, I was a football coach, wrestling coach, track coach. Um, you know, so I did a lot of coaching, a lot of uh, things within the leadership realm um, as a teacher as well. So I'm not going to just talk about educational leadership as, you know, just pertains to a principal, but superintendents, um, educational um instructional coaches, uh, department heads, a lot of these different types of educational leaders that are out there. Um, and the main or the main reasons I wanted to do an educational leadership podcast was to have stories, have other people share out, you know, their experiences to others. So we all know that, Hey, we're not alone as we go through this educational leadership journey. Um, so to start off with, um, I want to run a, you know, episodes of leadership styles, which I've asked uh, several different educational leaders, um, to come on my podcast and to, to share us their stories. Um, before, before I get into those episodes, I wanted to create this one um, where I maybe I'll talk about my own leadership and I'll get the ball rolling by, by doing that. And so, you know, leaders have different styles. Um, there are styles such as servant leadership. There's transactional. There's transformational. There's laissez-faire. There's authoritarian. Um, there's authoritative. There's situational. Um, there is achievement-oriented leadership, uh, relationship-oriented leadership, uh, values-oriented. So there's just a lot of different leadership styles that are out there. And as as educational leaders, we utilize um, you know one or several types of these different styles. Um, I'm actually, um, you know, doing my dissertation right now, which is based off of educational leadership styles and how they influence and impact teacher achievement. Um, so I'm not going to get into all that. That could be a whole podcast itself, but I basically want to just talk about, you know, why I got an education, um, kind of like my experience as a leader um, up to this point. I've been a secondary principal for the last four years. Before that, I spent 11 years in a classroom as a math teacher. I was a football coach, wrestling coach, a track coach. So there's a lot of different things that I did in, in a leadership capacity in education. And to become a principal was just my next step. Um, I basically got into education um, through coaching junior high football at Carnegie Catholic. I just fell in love with coaching and decided to go back to college and become a teacher. And so being a teacher and a coach, I kind of saw how they, you know, complimenting each other and how I really enjoy watching kids take something that you teach them and utilize it and become successful at that. And so I got that same satisfaction in the classroom as I did um, as a coach. And I'm also getting that same satisfaction as, as an educational leader where I get to see my, my teachers grow, my students grow through the, you know, um, implementation of different processes and systems that, that we have within the educational system. Um, so that, that's kind of, you know, where I, why I became an educator and kind of like just a short story about it. Um, personally, um, to become an administrator, 
you know, like I said, I spent 11 years in a classroom. I got to the point where I felt like I, I felt like I needed another challenge, a new chapter um, in my educational career. And so I went ahead and applied for principal jobs. And, and it wasn't easy. I like went on six different interviews um, before getting the principal position that I have now. Um, and so, so past four years, so I, I feel very fortunate and lucky that I am an educational leader um, and absolutely love it. I don't miss um, – the classroom as much I do miss it here and there. Um, but as a principal, I'm having a bigger impact on education um, through student learning. But also I'm also having the opportunity to grow teachers and future uh, educational leaders as well. And so those are things that I really do love about my current position as an educational leader and a building principal. Um, you know, as an educational leader, I over the last four years, I've really um, developed my leadership style. Actually, my first year uh, as a principal, I would I would probably say I was trying to be an inclusive leader where I want to get a lot of input from my my teaching staff and the people around me because I was brand new. Like I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I had an idea, but I really not until you get into position, you're not really trained to become a principal until you're actually in the job. Um, you can do your administrative classes. You could do all these theory work, but not until you're in the job, you don't really know what's going on. Um, so it took some time that you really, for me to figure out, you know, what my leadership style was. Um, and through that, I always like to collaborate with people and try to get their insights and build relationships. I mean, that was the, the, my biggest thing was to collaborate and build a relationship uh, with my, my teachers and my staff members. Um, now, as I've grown over the last four years, I would say my leadership style is more of what we call situational leadership, where I would pick the leadership style that I would utilize within a certain situation. So there's times where I'm where I'd be considered a servant leader. Um, those could be things like I like to help the custodial staff uh, clean the tables after lunch after a lunch session once in a while. You know, just show them like, hey, I do appreciate them, and hey, I'm not afraid to get my hands dirty and help them clean up a little bit. And sometimes there's messes out there like in the bathrooms or in the hallway that, that they need attention. And instead of just calling down and getting a custodial staff to do it, I go ahead and just do it myself because they have a lot of things they're doing that's on their plate. So I try to, you know, do little things that, that make, th have a, a small impact, but you know, overall they understand that like, Hey, I'm not afraid to do so many things. So I'll serve, serve in, a, in that capacity. Also like to be inclusive and collaborative as well. Um, one example of this is that my current MTSS team, um, where we kind of, you know, over the last four years, actually the last couple of years, basically, um, we have stat, we have MTSS meetings, um, you know, twice a week and where we want to talk about, uh, different things of kids and, and how to solve problems. And, and we talk about different things in that capacity. So that's where we're inclusive. We're collaborating, but we also will reach out to the other staff members and bring them involved within a situation with a student. And so that's the collaborative piece there. Um, and then other situations I get into, uh, me as a building principal, I am man trained. So I, if I have to restrain a student due to physical aggression, I can do that. But those are times where I'm more of an authoritarian or a direct leader because I have to communicate to the people around me. This is what I need you to do. Um, and there's not a lot of time to ask questions. It's just like, dude, I need you to do this and we can get the situation 
taken care of um, in that you know during that time. So sometimes I have to use that. I don't really like to use direct or authoritarian leadership because that's not how I'm built. But I can do it if I need to in certain situations. So therefore, over the fast past four years, I've really evolved into more of a situational leadership style to where I will utilize a certain style depending on the situation that comes up. And so that's me personally as, as a leader that I feel like that I've developed over the last four years. Some things really, you know, as a teacher that influenced me in my leadership style, I've been around, you know, several districts. I've been in small rural districts as well as the, the um, metro districts in like Omaha, uh, Nebraska. So you know, in small schools, but in big schools, you know, I've seen people that are authoritarian leaders. I've seen people that are um, relationship mindseted leaders. Um, we have uh, other leaders that are more collaborative and give teachers more of voice. And I've seen transactional where it's like, hey, you do this for me, I'll give you give you something for that. So like for me, you know, I've had, you know, leaders come to me and say, Hey, would you like to be a bus driver? I'm like, sure. And they're like, Hey, we'll pay you to be that bus driver. I'm like, Hey, why not? You know, so I got to pay to be a bus driver and teach and coach and to do all these different things. So, you know, those are just some examples in my career that I've seen. Um, But each leader has their own different style. So what I'm going to do is I want to bring people on this podcast and and have them talk about their experiences. Um, because as a principal, getting to hear other you know people talk about their leadership experiences really lets me know like, hey, I'm not alone in this. And that's what this podcast is really about is to let people know that we're not alone and we have these same type of situations come up. And so if we could shed some light on some topics and and really um, you know let people know like, hey, these are some things you could do. Um, that's that's kind of the whole whole you know purpose of this podcast, honestly. So as a leadership, things that have influenced me. Um, or basically how my style personally, I, I feel like affects my, my teachers, my staff and my students. Um, you know, I really think, you know, leadership style will affect their relationships with their staff members, um, their retention of those staff members and also overall the, the climate of the, with the staff and the students and everything that's involved with the school. So if you have authoritarian or direct leadership style, you know, it's basically my way or the highway and your climate may not be as positive because you're very direct in those leadership styles. Um, but if you're more of a transformative where you build a relationship, you motivate those people, um, you know, in ways that, you know, create a climate that where people are collaborative and, you know, they, they support each other and they feel supported. That's important. And so, Leadership styles aren't really talked about a lot of in the educational realm. Like there's a lot of research out there, but we really don't talk about it. And that's what this podcast is about. Let's talk about those leadership styles and how other people, um, you know, affect their leadership style, how they affect their teachers, their staff, their students, and ultimately their school climate. You know, like I said before, this is kind of an area of interest for me because it is some something I'm really interested in about in my dissertation that I'm currently um, doing at this point. Um you know, there's some important skills I feel like um, educational leaders need to have to be successful. Um, you know, things that I, I look for for me personally, um, I feel like my organizational communication and temperament skills are very important for me. Like for organizational skills, um, for me, and that works for me. Everybody's got their own different organizational ways of doing things. And for me, what works is I like to list things out. And so, 
what I will do at the end of the day, I will write a list of things that I need to accomplish for the next school day. And then I put it down, I write it down, and then I go. Because um, there's times I, I have situations that pop up. And so I will forget where I'm at if I don't have that list. And so they'll pop up and, and you know, as, as well as I knew as educational leaders that, hey, when you're trying to get some work done and things things pop up you can't ignore you got to go attend to those things and so then i have that list i'm able to scratch things off and come back and and know what's going on and there's always something i'm adding to that list every day um for myself for the next day so that's how i get organized um you know through that process i also um you know it's something that's fluid it's always changing um when i do that every day i also use a google calendar i review that every morning and go okay this is what's going on for today i also review that before going home so i know what to expect the next morning of course there's a lot of things that could change from the time you leave the office until you get back but then you know that's why i kind of review those things um i also do you know as a communicator um I like to do what we call, um, I do a 24 hour rule. And so if you call or leave a message or email me, I try to get back to you within that 24 hours. Um, because I, it's not that I'm ignoring you. It's because maybe there's some other things I got going on. I'm addressing, but I will address those issues promptly and do those within a 24 hour period. Um, that's kind of like my own rule that I use. I also use daily reminder emails, which informs my teachers and staff, things that are going on for that day, things that are coming up. Um, that allows me not to do as many meetings. I do do meetings. Um, and we hold those meetings, but I want to make those meetings when we have them be more meaningful than just like a daily announcement reminder that, that I do every day. And so, um, that that's some ways that I communicate. Finally, some ways you can communicate is through newsletters, social media. Um, you know, you want to communicate out to the community some of the great things your teachers are doing and your staff and your students are doing in the building because you need to have transparency. And if you're not doing those things and bringing transparency into it, you're not you know, celebrating your teachers and your students and your staff members the way they need to be. So that's kind of some things that I do um, with my communication piece. You know, finally is temperament. Like this job, educational leadership is an emotional job. And as an educational leader, I got to have, you know, a certain amount of temperament. I have to be able to understand that I can't let my emotions um, get the best of me. I can't let them make me make decisions or do things or behave in a certain way because I'm upset or pissed off about something. So basically I try to handle situations and remove the emotions out of it. And so my temperament, I try not to get too high or not too low. And, and, and I try to make decisions that are consistent and that are, that are logical um, when those emotional situations do arise and they will arise. You just have to have that temperament to be able to understand, Hey, I got to bring myself down so I can look at this in a, in a objective and logical way. Um, because especially with like discipline, if I am having trouble, like make, you know, I will reach out to my superintendent. I reach out to my other administrators. I also reach out to other administrators or other educational leaders that may have gone through something similar um, before I make a final decision, just because I want to make sure I look and think through everything that I do. And so I want to make sure I have the right temperament when I do that. Therefore, educational uh, leaders must have good, you know, organizational skills, communicational skills, and temperament, um, in my opinion, to feel, um, to be successful in this job. You know, some things um, 
that a principal could do to influence the education at your school. Uh, I feel like the ability of the principal to listen, to support, and motivate their staff, um, their teachers, their staff, their students, to do their best each day when they walk through the building, um, that's my goal is to build those relationships with my teachers, my staff, and my students, as well as parents, community members, and school board members. I'm having these um positive connections and interactions transferred into the education at the school. I also um, want to support in various ways. Um, I want to support my teacher growth. Um, we utilize the Network for Educator Effectiveness Evaluation Tool, and that has given me the opportunity to have some really great conversations with my teachers on where they're at and how I can support them to become better. Um, those things are important to have and being able to connect with those Um through, uh, I also like my teachers to go on as many professional development opportunities outside the district. We do some inside the district, but I also like to get them out of our building and go talk to other teachers that are in similar situations so they can bring back good ideas and, and become better that way. Um, I always like to find ways to motivate my staff. You know, right now we are in a second year of implementing beho- uh, positive behavior interventions and supports, or what a lot of people call PBAS. Um, so teachers and staff are handing out what we call soar, soaring eagle tickets to students that display soaring behaviors. And these behaviors are where students are demonstrating, you know, safe behaviors, ownership behaviors, attitudes and respect. And while I felt as a principal, like, hey, if my staff is doing this, I should be doing this as a principal. So I hand out soaring eagle tickets to my my teachers. And what I do is I find things that they're doing, um, things outside of the norm. You know, they're they're soaring themselves, and I make sure I recognize that. And I personally hand them these tickets, and they can uh, put these tickets in a drawing that I do every quarter, and then I hand out uh, gift certificates at the end of each quarter. It was, by the way, at the end of the year, we're going to do a grand prize. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you guys what it is just because it's it's kind of a surprise. So we're going to do a grand prize drawing at the end of all the teachers that um, and staff members that got these, these Soren Eagle tickets throughout the year. Um, so I feel like um, some of my biggest strengths as an educational leader is, um, you know, my ability to listen, support, and motivate uh, teachers as best as I can. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not, you know, I, I do things I feel like it's going to help those situations. Um, but I also know that I have a lot to learn and I'm willing to grow. I'm not going to ask my my teachers, my students, my staff members to do anything that I wouldn't do myself or have done myself. And so that's kind of like my rule of thumb. If If I won't do it, why would I ask them to do it? You know, if I haven't done it, why would I ask them to do it? You know, I got to be willing to do the the work like they that I'm asking them to do, or you know that we're asking them to do, and so therefore um, that that's kind of you know the way I, I look at helping to support and influence um, the education at at my current district right now. You know, one thing that I'm I think I'm most proud of right now is the development and implementation of our MTSS team. Um, you know, with that team, we have a counselor, we have a school psych, we have a sped teacher, a core teacher, a specialist teacher, and and me as the building principal. We try to meet twice a week. We discuss academic um, behavior and mental health situations that students are having. And what we try to do is we monitor those situations and we try to address those 
those struggles that these kids have, you know, try to help them and meet them where they're at right away. Um, so this team has been effective in a, being a part of, you know, IEPs, 504s, behavior plans, alternative schooling plans, as well as getting students to proper mental health help that they may need or they're struggling with. And so we have our counselor, but we also bring in another counselor from outside to kind of help with that as well. So the implementation of that MTSS team, these te- these people that are involved with it, I've really, I felt grown and learned, um, you know, that education is not just academic, but we also have behavioral needs and we also have mental health issues that we have to um, try to meet our kids at so they can become productive and successful students as well as adults. Um, so I think that's my, my number one thing that I'm most proud of. You know, my biggest advice I would say coming up um, for future educational leaders is to spend time in the classroom. I, I feel like, you know, sometimes people become educational leaders because it's a natural, you know, like, hey, I want to quickly make more money. But my thing is, is when you're in the classroom for less than five years, I don't know how effective you're going to be as an educational leader. Now, this is my opinion, you know, and I have a reason for it. And my main reason is, is I go back to when I was in the the military, I was in the U S army reserve for eight years and the best commanders that I have seen in my time in my army unit were the ones that were not straight out of college or ROTC uh, graduates. Um, they were the actual junior enlisted, um, you know, officers that, build up. They went from junior enlisted from private to an NCO, and then they went into becoming a commission officer, which those guys, they understood what it was like to be down in the, in the bottom tier and work their way up where sometimes you have commanders in, um, that basically come straight out of college or ROTC and they don't, you know, have that experience. So they have a hard time relating. So I feel like the best thing an educational leader can do is spend the time in the classroom. I spent 11 years in the classroom and that helps me. And I'm not going to forget that. And so I know, I know what it's like to be that teacher in the classroom. And, and so I want to always understand when I'm making decisions as an educational leader that, Hey, how's this going to affect my teachers, my staff and my students. And so in my opinion, um, you know, some of you guys may agree and disagree with that. That's fine. But this is my opinion. And more importantly, um, um, I, I don't want I just want to grow teachers into quality educators. And and if that's also into educational leadership, I want to do that as well. And so that's kind of what my recommendation is for educational future educational leader is to spend at least five years or more in that classroom. So you don't forget what it's like to be there. You know, for me, when this is all done. When my educational career is done, I'm going to be able to look at back and be able to say, hey, I helped move education into a positive direction. Um, I want to be able to take teachers and grow them into master teachers, or I want to make them into high-quality educational leaders. That's my goal as an educational leader right now. When I look back and further, I want to be able to know I had an impact on a whole education as a whole. I want to be able to say – you know, hey, I help move education into a new era of education because right now, you know, the systems and things we have in place aren't great. 
And I think the only way they're going to get fixed is for, for us educators to do it. We can't rely on state and federal legislation to get it done. We have to do it at the local level and take care of business there to make public education better or just education in general better. And so that's kind of like when I look back, that's what I want to see my legacy or, or what my career would be involved. And so that's kind of like just me up front. The other thing is, is people forget about educational leadership is, is having what we call work-life balance. You know, like for me, you know, I love my job. I love what I do and I can get easily wrapped up into my job and do it for hours and hours and hours. But I also remember my wife, grandpa, when I became an educator, um, telling me, Hey, you got to make sure you spend time with your family. If it's, dedicating a day of a week, do that. Um, because you're not just an educational leader. I'm not just a principal, but I'm also a husband, a father, and now a, a brand new podcaster, right? And so for me, I got to be able to balance that. So I got to be able to have things to get away, be able to you know, help my own mental health because this job can be stressful and it can beat you down. But at the same time, you got to learn how to get away from some of the pressures of the job and be able to spend time with family. And so some of the things we like to do is um, to spend some quality time is we have family game nights. Sometimes um, we have movie nights. Some things we like to do when it, get, the weather gets better is go camping, hiking, fishing, boating all these things we just like to get out and be with each other and a lot of times we like to play yard games and different things when it gets nicer as well so that time that we have as a family is very very important and i think as educational leader whatever um you do outside of the educational leadership is very very important to remember to have that work-life balance as well um you know because you know we're not just an educational leader you know, you're also a human being that needs that time to be able to spend with their family or spend time doing things that you enjoy doing outside of work. Don't let work, you know, run your life. Make sure you have that work-life balance. Um, and so I try to do that as well. And I was lucky that I had somebody in my life that, that told me about that way before I got too far, you know, into this educational um, career. And so I've really worked hard to try to maintain some of that. So overall, that's, that's me in a nutshell, guys. Like, you know, that's, you know, you know, so I've kind of told you some of the reasons why I want this, you know, go, I'm starting this podcast. Um, and the thing is, I'm really excited about it. I have some people lined up that, you know, we're going to interview and then I'm going to release those podcasts as we go, um, or those episodes. And then, and I'm really excited to, to get this, this rolling and see where it leads. Cause you know, this is just the start of it. And I really welcome you guys on the journey and, um, hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about a lot of great conversations. Um, and I can't wait to see how, um, you know, we can positively uh, move education forward together. And this is uh, your host, uh, Principal JL, signing off for the day. And I will see you guys next time out. Remember, let's move education forward together.